Well, hey there. So glad you tuned in. This is the Green Divas Radio Show, and I'm your host, Green Diva Mag. I'm recording uh, this week from Green Diva Studio North, which happens to be in Portland, Maine. I am here with Green Diva Lisa, who also happens to be my big sis and one of my great inspirations as a Green Diva. So I'll be uh, with you for the next almost hour. I've got a wonderful show lined up for you. Some really fascinating stuff. But before I even tell you about that, I was inspired by... I know most people think of Maine, they think of summer, by the ocean and camping and the beautiful aspects of nature that are more accessible perhaps in the summer. But I have to tell you, Maine, as cold as it is, has a magical winter quality. And I thought maybe I would share a winter poem or a part of a winter poem with you. So I picked one from Mary Oliver, and it goes like this. Snow was falling so much like stars, filling the dark trees that one could easily imagine its reason for being was nothing more than prettiness. Which it is. It's beautiful uh, up here, and there's a blanket of white sparkly snow over everything. So anyway, let's uh, dig into what you have in store for you for the next almost hour. Our feature is with Green Diva Lisa, talking about Portland. She's been living up here for a little while, and she has discovered all of the cool, green, sustainable. There's a lot going on up here, so she's going to talk about what's going on in Portland, Maine. We have a DIY segment, a dude DIY segment, with one of our favorite green dudes, Jeff McIntyre Strasberg. This one is about human-powered washing machines and making plastic mats for the homeless. It's a good segment, great segment. We do talk to Green Dude Raleigh Montpellier about population. It's the first in a series that he and I will do on the issue of population. Inspired Green Divas with Jenny G. Perry. We had a really fun time in the studio recording this one about slacker parents. Slacker parents unite! So I hope that you will enjoy this show, that you'll uh, share it up, give it a thumbs up wherever you're listening to it, tell your friends. But before we launch into this awesome show, I just want to remind you to please follow us on Twitter at The Green Divas or me at Green Diva Mag. Same thing on Instagram, The Green Divas radio show on Facebook or me, Green Diva Mag on Facebook. Love interacting with y'all. I want to hear from you. And please visit thegreendivas.com and check out what's new there. And whatever we've talked about here, usually more information can be found on the site. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the show. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. LED lights are bright, energy efficient, and you can find them in bike lights, flashlights, and calculators. So why aren't they more popular in homes? LEDs are expensive because their phosphors are made of rare earth elements. But researchers at Rutgers University recently developed a new composition for LEDs, one that could cut their costs by up to 90%. That's important because the U.S. Department of Energy is encouraging wide adoption of LEDs in order to cut electricity use for lighting in half by 2030. There are some criticisms of that, though. 
Andrea Hicks is an assistant professor at the University of Wisconsin Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering. LED technology is considered an enabling technology in that it enables other devices and products that we didn't have before. With cheaper lights, we're likely to find new uses, put them in more places like custom-lit bars and cabinets, and leave them on longer. That could reduce the expected energy savings, a paradox called the rebound effect. So to maximize energy savings, it's not enough to just switch to LEDs as they get cheaper. It will still be important to avoid wasteful uses, and remember to turn off the lights when you're done using them. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. Wait, don't throw that away. Green Divas love to repurpose, upcycle, and reclaim, and keep lots of useful items from going to the landfill. Give it a new life, or just get creative with easy-peasy Green Diva DIY projects. Well, not only have we not done a DIY segment in a while, um, I haven't talked to one of my favorite green dudes, Jeff McIntyre-Strasberg, who is the founder and editor of Sustainablog.org. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great, Meg. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's been way too long. Great to talk to you. I know you're a busy guy, so we're feeling great that we finally got a chance to connect. And I know... There was a couple of ideas that um, I think we're going to talk about today for kind of meaningful, uh, useful DIY projects. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And, and as I think I have told you before, we, um, oh God, it's been a year and a half now. We shifted Sustainable Blog to a focus on waste issues. Yes, um, right. But, but you know, these DIY projects, in fact, I think one of the ones we'll talk about today is perhaps even a little older. But, but you know, I've always been fascinated with, with – uh, the notion of what can you do with stuff once it's outlived its useful life. Right. Um, it's first so, you life. Know, that, that, that's something I've always written about and, and always been been fascinated by. Yes. Yes, you have. So one of the things I, I think on our agenda is to talk about human-powered washing machines. Yes, yes. I. Um, then know, it's not I, a rock? I, I, actually, the first time I wrote about these was years and years ago. There was a guy who did a video on uh, how to make a pedal-powered washing machine. Oh, that's and, so and cool. I think that's linked on, on the post that, that I'll have up for you and so forth. But, you know, I, 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 uh, the idea hit me, and I said, oh, let's poke around and see what's out there. And, and there's all sorts of things, everything from putting together just two five-gallon buckets and a, uh, and a toilet plunger, literally. That, that's pretty much all that's involved. Wow. To, uh, to um, I think that the most complicated plan we've got on there actually involves some welding and that kind of thing. Uh, wow. That's something I'm going to do. But, uh, but, yeah, it involves welding and uh, use 55-gallon drums and so forth. So, so I mean, regardless of, of the level of expertise needed, all of these use uh, mostly use things that have been used in other cases. Right, and, that uh, would otherwise be sitting in a landfill for their second exactly, life. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Right, and, and you know, and, and then there's also the aspect of just saving some energy with all of these. And you know, I, I doubt a lot of people are going to go out and you know scrub their clothes in, in a five-gallon bucket with a with a toilet plunger. But well, you know, it, it, it's something to to try, and you know, maybe. Uh, 
Well, someone who's off the grid might appreciate these instructions well, a great exactly, deal. Exactly, and, and you know, there are people like that, and, and you know, it might be something that you just kind of work into your routine. You know, maybe it's not how you do all your clothes, but right. uh, you do an outfit or two. Well, I, I love the idea of the pedal-powered one. I know um, Ed Begley had a bicycle yeah. that he used to generate some power, and he would make his toast in the morning or whatever. <laughs> I, you know, I thought of Ed when we were planning to talk to this, because I had, I had interviewed him years ago. And, yeah. and uh, that was, yeah, I remember talking with him. How That's how he made his breakfast every morning. It was, uh, yeah, and it just really, like, it seems like such a great idea. You're getting exercise, and, you know, you can feel, and then you really do get a sense of what it takes to, you know, then you want exactly. to conserve that energy because you're like, hey, man, I worked hard for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, we, we, uh, we have been, you know, we've been removed from all sorts of things, but, but that is one of them, the, the notion of, what is energy, and then what does it take, and, and so forth. Yeah, um, I know a few years ago when we tried, we did another uh, a blogathon. God, it's been six years now. Wow. But we tried doing that pedal powered. Yeah. Um, somebody actually made us that. We, we couldn't ever get it to quite work the way we want it to, but but just a little bit we did with it. Yeah, you get a very clear sense very quickly. That, yeah. Uh, you know, it, yeah, it, it's a lot of energy, at least in terms of human energy. Right. Um, right. Well, um, and I know that you'll provide us with a blog to go with this that yes. people can read on thegreendivas.com, but also they can go to sustainablog.org, and you do have this, you know, posts up here with, with, with instructions. So one of the other things that I thought was really, really cool idea was making uh, sleeping mats for the homeless. Yeah, you know, and again, back to this idea of what can we do with things um – once they have outlived their, their useful life. And, and I know plastic shopping bags are, are controversial in our space, no yep, doubt. Yep. Um, you know, and, and but they exist. Things. Yeah, they, they, that's, the, that's the thing. They do exist. And, and uh, let's, yeah, I mean, let's not toss the ones that, that are right. out there and, right. and so forth. So, yeah, this is something I came across. Um, actually, the, the story I found was, was a guy um, in the New Orleans area huh. who uh, – he had come across a plan for the, yeah, sleeping mats. You, you just weave them out of uh, plastic shopping bags, and you make what's called plarn, which is plastic yarn. Okay. Um, and, wait, wait, and, uh, say that again, plarn? Plarn, P-L-A-R-N, <laughs> yes. Plastic yeah, plastic yarn. yarn. Okay. And, and, and uh, you know, I mean, he did, as I remember, he didn't claim to be crafty or anything like that. It was just fairly simple to do, and uh, he came across it, I want to say, on YouTube. But, but you know, there, there are... Uh, Apparently, church groups out there that that this is a, a um, well community effort they they do and so forth to, to try and help out. And I even came across something in the last couple of weeks about a a school group making these up. So, uh, well, you know, it's it's a great way to probably utilize a lot of bags that are just going to go in landfills or end up in the ocean. Right. Right. Uh, yes. And, Inside and, a fish somewhere. Yes. Yeah. And then and then what a great purpose to help someone who's. Unfortunately, you know, sleeping on the street, maybe something cold or wet, and this gives them just a little bit of, just a little bit of uh, comfort. I mean, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I said in the post. Obviously, this is not a solution to homelessness. No, in any sense, but but it does give them just just a little bit of, of comfort and maybe dryness and then that kind of thing. And uh, and you know that that's uh, that means something. And and when you combine that with 
again, using these resources that are otherwise going to end up in the ocean or a landfill or so forth. Um, You know, and and furthermore, I mean, I I think a part of what uh, also drew me to this was just the fact that so many people seem to be inspired to, to... to do this. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's very sad. We were just recently in San Francisco. I don't know. Where are you living, Jeff? I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. I couldn't remember. Sorry. Yeah, but I've been to San Francisco plenty. Yeah. And I was stunned by the homelessness, the people, the amount of people sleeping literally on the streets. It, you know, that's that's one of the places I've been where, yeah, it, it, it's overwhelming, yeah. the, the, the number of homeless people. Well, anyway, I think these are two great ideas that, again, you can find out more on sustainablog.org or related to this podcast, um, Jeff will be kind enough to post something on thegreendivas.com. And it's great to talk to you again, Jeff, and I look forward to speaking with you sooner than later. Definitely, definitely. Thanks so much for having me back, Meg. To get an easy-to-follow tutorial on how to do this fun Green Diva DIY project and many others, go to thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. And remember, buy less, make more, and buy local whenever possible. Every Green Diva needs a sidekick. At the Green Divas radio show, they're called Green Dudes. Time now for a deeper shade of green from a guy's perspective. Well, on again with one of my very favorite Green Dudes, Boomer Warrior, Raleigh Montpellier, who is calling in from Canada. Um, He is the founder and managing editor of BoomerWarrior.org, among other things. Hi, Raleigh. Hi there, Meg. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm glad <laughs> to be speaking with you again. And we started chatting when you called before we started recording, and I thought, oh no, we're we're just get right into it. It's um, sure the topic to that that we're talking about today is a big one. It's a very very big one, and it's all about overpopulation and how. And I think you and I agree that it's it's an underreported. Um, an underserved topic that is probably got a huge impact on climate change and the resources of our planet, certainly. Well, it certainly does. And uh, I, uh, I I guess uh, kind of got into looking uh, about six months ago um, at, you know, the impact or, of overpopulation. And uh, the numbers are just, you know, staggering. Um and uh, I, mean, I uh, do we have I, any I of like... numbers? I mean, just the, just you know. I mean, I saw a couple of numbers that that the UN had put out for 2015. Like you know, just the US alone is 321.8 million people. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. lot of people. Well, well, at at the at the current rate we're we're going now. I mean, population we're, we're adding about one billion every 12 years. Hmm. Uh, so uh, I, I was just looking at some historical data. It took, uh, in 1800, we reached, uh, uh, the world population reached 1 billion. Okay. Uh, and then it took 123 years to get to 2 billion, and that was in 1927. Yeah. Now, you, are not, you or I were not born back then, but uh, uh, it's just getting faster and faster. Uh, and now we're adding 
you know, one billion every 12 years. So uh, that's quite alarming. And uh, the more population, even though, you know, birth rates have, uh, right. have, have diminished, yeah. the rate is acting on a much larger base. Uh, so uh, right now we're adding about uh, 80 million people per year. And each day, 220,000. I don't want to bore you with all these statistics, but in the time in the time we're going to spend on the phone, uh, we'll be adding approximately eight thousand people oh my God. <laughs> to, to the plant to the planet. Isn't that something? Well, and and the the life expectancy has increased, so true that has mm-hmm. an impact. I, I was reading about Africa a little bit, and because um, that apparently is one of the the largest concerns when it comes to overpopulation right now? Yes, well, the birth rate is, is still the highest in the, in the third world. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, when uh, in developing countries grow their economy and, and, uh, and develop, uh, if there's a, as there's an emerging middle class, uh, you cannot blame, uh, you know, uh, these right. people for wanting the same thing you and I have. Right. right. Uh, so as more and more people uh, sort of adopt the, well, I guess the Western lifestyle, the, the, it, it becomes a question of not only overpopulation but uh, you know overconsumption, uh, overgrowth, um, overshoot. Like we we are we are using uh, the the uh, resources of our planet. Uh, uh, yeah. at the rate of 1.5 times. We need 1.5 planets just to keep ourselves going. Right. Uh, and, you know, if you add billions more, of course, uh, we will need seven planets. If we all live, by 2050, if all of us live uh, a Western lifestyle, the the uh, the additional, the 10.9 billion people we will be on this planet, um, we would need seven planets. So, you know, something yeah. has to give. Uh, yeah. And, uh so uh, about six months ago, I I, I joined this uh, this new organization. It's uh, it's called Global Population Speakout, and uh, I uh, it's funny how I got into that. I, I was just uh, I was contacted by by an email, and uh, offered this uh, this great book, huge book on overpopulation, overdevelopment, and mm-hmm. overgrowth. And one of the conditions is that I would become, uh, you know, associated with a campaign. So I'm kind of a, uh, a book champion, a yeah. campaign friend with that organization. Cool. And uh, it, it's just a tremendous uh, resource, which uh, uh, I've used to, uh, you know, write several articles on that, on that topic. Well, and I'm sure several more could, could occur soon. And, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, I mean, the statistics about... By 2050, 2.37 billion more people worldwide. But, excuse me, Africa alone will will account for, is projected to account for 54% of that. Yep, that's that's correct. Uh, So uh, that is is a huge issue, and uh, we have to find ways of uh, stabilizing population growth. And And there are ways... It's funny, I, I wrote an article uh, which I titled uh, Lord of Man, uh, The Call for More. And uh, <laughs> it, it's not just a, a population issue, it's also, it's also who we've become. You know, yeah. uh, uh, we, we have adopted, we, we believe that the planet 
is uh, is ours to conquer. And uh, mm. what what's happened certainly is uh, an overuse of, of the of the resources uh, that are on the planet right yeah. now. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, well. Uh, there's been some interesting novels written using population as a backdrop and, uh, you know, these crazy international cabals that are finding ways to, you know, reduce the mm-hmm. population and, you know, have a stronger strain of humans survive. I mean, I've read a couple yeah. of these things and I was like, wow. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. something does have to give and, it, and it, it's hard to imagine – unless you're a novelist with a really big imagination, yeah. how this will all unfold. So we, I think we do have to start having the conversation. How do we be mindful? Um, well, exactly. And uh, it's, uh, for example, there's a, there's a, I guess he's a professor at the University of Colorado, Albert uh, Bartlett. And I have a quote here, which, uh, which is, is quite useful to think about when you uh, discuss population. And uh, what he says is, can you think of any problem in any area of human endeavor on any scale whose long-term solution uh, is assisted, I'm kind of skipping a few words, assisted or advanced by further increases in population? Like there's not, you know, further increases in population add absolutely nothing to solving world problems. That's what he's saying. No, no. You see? I mean, I and, think that uh, at one point there were religions, perhaps will remain unnameless, um, mm-hmm, unnamed, mm-hmm. Uh, who believed that, you know, if they populated, you know, that they would be a dominant uh, force in the world, perhaps. But, you know, okay, we're over it. That that, that time well, has passed. Well, that's part of, uh, you know, humanity's, uh, our original culture. I mean, we were... We were told that uh, you know go out there and procreate. Well, yeah. we have. Yeah. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> I mean, we, we've really done well at that, but uh, to our own detriment, really. And um, you know, we uh, we have uh, taken over the, the the planet at the expense of many other species. So, as as this happens, uh, of course, we, we get into you know, growth has become the new god. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, this is uh, along with overpopulation causing all kinds of, 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 of problems. And it's a sensitive um, issue. I mean, if you tell someone, like, look, you can't have any more kids, I mean, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to regulate that. Well, I guess uh, some of the reasons why we're not really talking about that, uh, like politicians, as, exactly as you said, like politicians, uh, uh, except from some some right-wing Republicans, right. <laughs> uh you know, want to stay out of people's bedroom and pe- yeah. people's personal lives. And yeah. uh, uh, although China did have the one-child policy, um, and I was reading something about that, the one-child policy. Now I'm just going to use a number. I think it 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 uh, it redu- it had the effect of mitigating China's population growth by some three or four hundred million. I read. Wow. So I mean, there was, there's already a very large Chinese population, but it would have been a lot larger Ooh, if they not yeah. had the one-child policy. Well, so but as, that's been. The, go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say. So aside from asking people to please stop having so many babies, which we can't really do, but what we can do is ask people to become educated and mindful and 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 start talking about the topic because we do have to figure this out. What do you? So you. What's the website you you recommend uh, or or resource or book that 
um, yeah. that people should it's, go uh, to? Well, it's, it's population speak out. Uh, sorry, yeah, global population speak out. Okay. Uh, dot, dot, dot org. Okay. And in fact, in fact, I, I'm looking. Uh, you know, we talk about you know what what the solutions uh, what the solutions might be. Well, there certainly are solutions, uh, uh, and but a lot of the solutions are tied up with the whole issue of uh, you know women's rights, yeah. uh, human rights, yeah. um, primary and secondary education uh, as people's education levels rise. Uh, there's a greater chance of, uh, you know, women uh, going into the workforce, having fewer children, doing some family planning. Uh, so it's all it's it's about improving the status of, of women and girls in uh, in the third world countries. Yes, and uh, also solving some of the poverty issues to allow people to to uh, you know to uh, to join the global community. So there are solutions, and uh, as I said, uh, I think when we were just at the beginning of our of our conversation, uh, this particular organization certainly, as well as the United Nations, right. Oxfam, and many others, yeah. are uh, are fighting this 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 good fight of uh, uh, strengthening human rights and you know improving human health. All of which will contribute maybe to a, to a, a stabilization of population. Well, I, I um, hope so. Certainly, education is a big part of it, and having this conversation. And um, so, thank you. For, I'm glad you aligned yourself with this organization and are speaking out about it. And let's, you know, I know we're going to do this again because there's so many subtopics in here that we can't even really get to them all today. Well, there are certainly, and and one of them I, I will leave you with is uh, uh, the relationship of you know uh, emissions and and populations. Uh, yeah. You know, they they uh, they both have to be looked at uh, jointly, simultaneously, and uh, I think uh, I think you hit it pretty well on on the nail on the head. It's uh, it's an awareness issue. You know, a few years ago, none of us were talking about uh, climate change. Maybe the next big topic is going to be population stabilization, and yeah, uh, yeah. Um, that's uh, that's what I'm working on. Well, it's um, it's a worthy worthy cause among the many that I know you champion. So, thank you for taking time to talk to us. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation. And, folks, you can go to Boomer, boomerwarrior.org and find out more about what yes, Raleigh's up to. And I know you usually share a post with us, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, mm-hmm, I do. All right. Stay on the line because we'll talk off the air. And everybody else, stay tuned. Want more information on this Green Dude segment and other ideas for low-stress green living? Go to thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. There are people in this world that just sparkle with an almost magical and radiant energy, leaving a wake of good stuff wherever they go. We just love meeting and talking with these folks who inspire us to be better, do better. Oh yeah, another awesome segment in the studio with Jenny G. Perry, our mojo expert, green diva, life coach, 
bubble of joy. I don't know. <laughs> She's too much fun, all that red hair and everything. She's a doll. You're making me giggle. Yeah. Well, we're having fun. We we're are. having a lot of fun. So this time we're going to talk a bit about embracing your inner slacker mom or slacker parent, as it were. Because, you know, there's so much pressure to be freaking perfect now, right? Oh, my goodness, 100%. For not only us, but the children. And, uh, like, we were laughing about behind the scenes before we got on here, how Facebook is the glamour shots of your life. (laughs) And doesn't everybody's kids look so great on social media? I've talked to some women behind the scenes, and, like, their kid was, like, a delinquent. And I'm like, wow, I would never get that from your Facebook page (laughs) because you can't talk about that, you know? But the slacker mom, it's, like, letting us off the hook for having to look like the Disney mom, like on the Disney shows. Because I'm always like, those are not real moms. They're like the cookie cutter. Just doesn't fly anymore. Well, here's a Green Diva confession. My kids are older now. But back in the day, I might have been one of the original slacker moms because I I just didn't have the stomach to try to compete or engage with that kind of parenting. I just, you know, I came up... My peers were more free range up in the Berkshires, and then I moved down here, and it was all about, you know, my, for instance, my teenage daughter came home and said, Mommy, everybody at school has a BMW or a Porsche or a Mercedes. And I said, Oh, that's bull, you know. <laughs> and and then I drove into the driveway, the parking lot at school, and went, Oh my God, I can't believe that these kids are driving these cars. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen for you. You know, and, you know, we'll help you get a car and we'll we'll work with you on that. But, you know, I mean, just well, when I, I was the slacker mom thing. But well, you know. when I'll meet moms that are like new to the school, new on the scene, whether it's preschool or like the, you know, elementary school, I'm like a seasoned mom. So I'm the mom where like dropping off a preschool, I, I don't need to know every mom's name. I don't no. need to know every kid's name. I don't need to be at every party. Like, it's just not it, for me working on myself as a person becoming a, a you know more into myself which seems contrary because it's like oh my god she's into herself she I should know. be into her kids i became yeah. a better mom i became more it's present self care exactly mm-hmm. and those moms that are everything to everybody they look haggard and it's it's one thing about like really genuinely wanting to do it but i found that a lot of times a lot of them would do it and then complain about the fact that nobody else was doing it yeah and it's like it's this pressure to if you work you're not going to necessarily be able to have the time to do all these other things and like bake the coffee. And it's like, no, no. never. I, no. See, and part of it for me was this pure laziness that like I knew I couldn't compete with this or, or didn't want to in any. So I just was what I was. I and I'm it. sure a lot of the moms really didn't like me. And I kind of was uncomfortable sometimes going to school events because they're like, you know, yeah, well, she's at, such a slacker. But the thing about those moms, I was, <laughs> she never baked brownies. Exactly, never baked brownies. I remember actually, I think it was, I don't think it was us. It could have been us. This is how great, you know, you don't even have any memory. Somebody getting cupcakes and dump, you know, dropping them. And it's like, yep, that's life. Like, of course, she dropped them on the ground, the cupcakes she made. I will say, I tried to make like some Pinterest Halloween cupcakes. I think it was last year. <laughs> and they were like the Pinterest fail. And I just made a oh joke out God, of them. I was like, this the, is hilarious. Did you ever see those? Like, this is what they're supposed to look like. Oh my God, yes, like, they're and hilarious. And when my mom was raised us, you didn't know what a slacker you were because you didn't know that there's people that are 
are like literally right now they're like whittling wood for their kids Halloween costume yeah. like there's some crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. and if that's you embrace it but if yeah. it's not you don't measure yourself See, up against somebody thing. I think you have to be who you are you do so I said to my kids like I'm sorry I, I'm just not that a, kind of I'm mom. not a class yeah. mom I'm not never gonna be you know I'll show up and and I'll, I'll support you 100% but it's not me mm-hmm. um Oh, I was going to say something, but I'll let you. Well, I was just, we were talking about this before. When my daughter, who's 18, was in first grade, I remember going to these places. And this was when I was overweight. My hair was short. I was trying to be this, you know, legit mom, like get street credits because I looked a certain way because I was 26, didn't have as much money as the other moms. And going to birthday parties, I put so much thought into these gifts. I put less thought into my kids' Christmas gifts now than I did into these gifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it felt like I like had to show them my worth and my daughter's worth. And what my kids did felt like such a reflection upon me and i was living this craziness is that what you were thinking that's the ticket and so but now i don't even know any of those moms anymore and like then once i started to get older i was like some of them could be putting stuff on credit cards and the thing about judging other people's kids is when i had one kid a daughter i was like oh that mom at the grocery store her son is such a nightmare and then i had a son and i was like oh my god it's it's they're not a nightmare it's It's it's, me exactly and then like some sometimes my kids will do something i'll look at them and I'm like I don't even what what possessed you to do that so I don't judge other moms for what's no. going on with their kids no you know that was a revelation for me when I really because I was at, at some point really like oh my god they're dirty I can't send them out you know like freaking out <laughs> yes. because she's got cake on her yeah. face and there's someone's taking a photograph you know that was my first poor daughter <laughs> and um you know then I realized I, that this all stems from this this belief that they are a reflection they're an extension mm-hmm. of me in the world and they're really not. No. So if they're a hot mess, it's a bummer. You know, I don't want them to be unhappy, but. Well, and really the goal know. should always be that they're happy. Yeah. Not that someone else thinks that they are blah, 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 whatever it is. Yeah. And if they're happy, you're doing your job. And all these people like, let's fast forward a few years and see, because I know people where they, you know, they're college age now and they're like, I want to go to school for this, but my parents told me to go to school for that. And I'm like, don't do that. We did that the last generation. I guarantee you that there were plenty of women and men who judged me as a slacker mom, you know, like, oh, let's see what happens to our kids. (laughs) And guess what? All of my kids are unbelievable. They're fantastic young women. And one of them is... Uh, the mother of my two grandchildren, mm. and she's an amazing mom. Amazing, you did something right, girl. Like better than me, though. Like, <laughs> and I'm okay admitting that. Like, yeah. I, I know that you know. I, I know I was a great mom in many ways, but yes. I know I wasn't like that quintessential great mom. Yeah, it just didn't come to me that way. You know, I love my kids the best way I could, and they're great people, and they know I love them, but. You know, would I call myself a great mom? I don't know. Well, you know what? I think you're a great mom. I think you're a great mom because you loved them. And my daughter, she has like her planner is all stickered out and her kids will probably have like handmade clothes and stuff. (laughs) And I just tell my kids, I'm like, you know what, guys? I gave you a great idea to write a screenplay about your crazy mother. And so thank you. I I gave you material. Exactly. Come on now. I'm going to make the money. (laughs) <laughs> oh my God! There's a sitcom, a whole exactly. sitcom, or my a crazy mom because all the sage out or the crystals, and yeah. they're like, "Oh my goodness, what are you doing?" <laughs> no, yeah, my kids were used to that from yeah. early on. Like, in fact, I had books about you know spirituality. They're like, mm. "Mommy, remember that book?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." Oh my God! Well, listen, I admire and I love seeing pictures of your kids, especially that baby was, I know. was now like a little. Person. I know she's almost two. I don't know how to stop time, but I'm trying. Well, we all try. But in the meantime, 
I say, like you said, uh, that the, the most important thing is you love your children mm-hmm. and that they are balanced. And I think balance is the key. And if we're over micromanaging and polishing and perfecting their little worlds all the time, they're not going to learn how to how to create solutions or deal with anything, right? And the thing is, is, is when you mis- make mistakes as a mother and you say you're sorry, then move on. Don't beat yourself up. Show them what it's like to make a mistake and right. move on. Right. Because that's the thing is that you're not always going to be perfect. You're going to show them what it's like to be a human. Yeah, yeah. Move on, right? All right, slacker moms, unite! <laughs> All right, stay tuned, folks. We hope you're feeling the sparkle. Go out there and light up the world. As Dante said, even a little spark may burst a flame. For more inspiration, visit thegreendivas.com and listen for this and other shows on gdgdradio.com. I'm Ed Begley, and you're listening to the Green Divas Radio Show, the entertaining source for low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green and take action for the earth. Apparently, it was love at first sight. But after 115 years, B.B. and Poldy have gone their separate ways, very slowly, because they are giant tortoises. More on that after this. Everyone wants to be a part of the green movement, and that's a great thing. Going green takes on a whole new meaning when you add tall grass beef to your family's dinner table. It's tender and juicy, and since the cattle graze on the natural grasslands of Kansas, it's also loaded with essential fatty acids and omega-3s that regular grain-fed beef lacks. It's good for you and your family and good for the earth. For more information and to order tall grass beef online, go to www.tallgrassbeef.com. The Australian Times has reported that the two reptiles were born in 1897 and have spent over a century of harmony together. But the relationship has taken a violent turn when Bibi snapped a chunk out of Poldy's shell. Zoo handlers say that the tortoises cannot stand the sight of each other. But the keepers have been encouraging the living fossils to spend time together. So far, progress has been slow. Very, very slow. With a lifespan of 220 years, this turtle love story might have a happy ending after all. If they just give it some time. I'm Bill Curtis with Earth Matters. Well, I'm having entirely too much fun this week in Green Diva Studio North, Portland, Maine, with one of my very favorite original Green Divas, Green Diva Lisa, who also happens to be my big sister. She's been an inspiration, and she was co-host of the show for about a year before moving up north. Um, So, hey, big sis, I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm really happy to be here, too. It's so much fun to be in the studio with you again. And it's fun to have you up here visiting. And it's fun to have you visiting with my granddaughter, which is my reason for living and how I moved up to Portland, Maine, as well. So we're here in Studio North, perched over the Terlingua restaurant. Oh, yum. I just had to throw that in. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it is yummy. Uh, of course, I'm not at all biased because it is my son's restaurant. But anyway, it's just fabulous to have you here, and we are having too much fun. Well, and one of the things that I've enjoyed in the last couple of trips up here, but but in this trip also, is we're I'm, through your eyes, I am seeing greener Maine. Now, I know Maine is a pretty green state, and environment uh, is, you know, because it is a vacation state, and the beauty and nature in Maine is one of its attractions, so they protect it carefully, mindfully. Um, but there's so many things going on in Portland, Maine, that are just so cool and groovy, and uh, so let's just talk about some of what's going on here. Well, uh, Maine, the state of Maine probably has more organic farms than probably any other state in the nation per capita, Uh, but one of the things that it's famous for is its farm-to-table and the quantity of and quality of farm-to-table restaurants, and the peninsula is known to be a restaurant. It's known to be a restaurant city, Portland, Maine. And lots of restaurant, lots of cities call themselves restaurant cities or restaurant towns. But Portland sure does it well. And I'm a little bit of a snoot about really good food. Um, There are so many farm-to-table restaurants that really utilize the farms. There's dairy farms and animal farms and... Uh, there are people that forage for mushrooms that that supply the restaurants around here, and and the the culture in this town supports this community. And now I've had the privilege of learning about the foodie community through the restaurant tours, and there are a there's a large group of owner chefs and restaurateurs that all support each other. Yeah, it was kind of interesting talking to my nephew, your son, Pliny, um, Pliny Reynolds. He and his wife, Melanie, own uh, Terlingua, which is, you live above it. It's kind of cool. It's like, yeah, we got the family compound here. Uh, but talking to him a little bit about the other restaurateurs that, that they do, they work together, they, they support each other, they feed each other, literally, you know, because I guess you would get tired of eating your own food all the time. And I was fun yesterday, or I think I was, it was yesterday, I was sitting there, you know, and, and he fed me the most delicious, the most delicious wrap thing. Um, and I won't even get into the detail because it'll take too long, but it was delicious. And I saw someone and someone local from a local farm come in with a box of goodies. And I thought, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and it happens. They do it. They work with each other. Actually, in the winter, when there's a little bit more downtime, sometimes th- there's like a secret group of chefs and owners that get together. Somebody might get a, a big crate full of sea urchins or something real special, and they'll all call each other up and they'll have this sort of private dinner together and yak about the business and their lives and the what's going on and share this fabulous food with each other. So it seems like kind of a young, hip city, and and yet I don't feel too old for it, just saying. But, you know, the other night, I think it was Friday night, you and I just wandered across the street. There's a lot of microbreweries and a lot of art and music going on, and uh, we just wandered across the street to one of the microbreweries that had, like, amazing music, and we just kind of wandered in, hung out. Yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. I, When I lived in the center of town on Oak Street, 
there was a place where I could see free bluegrass music every Monday night. And I'm talking the depth of talent was remarkably fabulous. And so when I moved over to the East End, which is where I am now, which is a popping, fun, wonderful neighborhood, I was kind of missing that. Then I realized that uh, there was music right across the street. And I went over and I, having moved here from Austin, Texas, got to do some two-step to a honky-tonk band across the street from my house (laughs) on a Thursday night. It was really fun. And there's a lot of that. So there's, there's a lot of indie music here. There's a lot of art here. Um, and, and, I just, for the depth of talent in all of these different industries is pretty amazing, actually. And, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a snob. Well, yeah. And, and we are. We're, we're, we're fussy, fussy foodies. And also, you're, I just want to mention that you're a chef. Um, you've been many things, including a filmmaker, a green diva, a radio diva, um, a mother, of course, a school bus driver, you know. <laughs> um, but you're a chef right now at at one of the the local uh well-known health food restaurants, right? How many stores? Well, I'm not a f- chef chef. I am a cook. <laughs> but I do work at Lois's Natural um Natural Marketplace and it was it was something I didn't even see it coming. I mean, of course I've been into food for a long long time and enough to inspire my son to have his own restaurant. And he far exceeds my my understanding of food. He's brilliant. But I just, I walked into this place. I moved here recently. I, I wanted just a job to hold me over. And I thought, well, I'll go to this natural food marketplace. So I'm at least in a community that I might meet like-minded people and start to build my own community. And they they their chef had just cut her hand badly. And so they basically threw me back in the kitchen, and that was two and a half years ago. So I've been cooking away, and that's been a huge experience. I've learned so much doing that, just being thrown into the deep end like that. Well, and and one of the other things I would just note is that Lisa's always been kind of uh, the green diva inspiration for me. As a kid, she's a tiny bit older. So I got to learn from her because she has been doing this longer than me. But I love coming up to her place, and and she's really living it. She's got a little compost thing going. She uses cloth napkins, all the things that, you know, I, I do. But it's it, Lisa, I think, takes it a step further, and it's always inspiration for me. Well, like all the things we, we talk to our listeners about, it just takes practice. And it's just... And the more you learn about stuff, and that's what we do. We do our homework. We try to share stuff with everybody. And the more you learn about stuff, then you can't unlearn it. So once you understand that there's antibiotics being used in the chicken you've been eating, and you can eat chicken without that, it's hard to go back. So I just have a few more years under my belt. All right. So what what's the most um, surprising thing? that you've discovered up here in Portland, Maine. Okay, so there's this really fun thing that I've discovered. It's 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 sustainable in its holistic approach to the care that these people take, but there's a zoo up north of here. It's called the Dew Haven, and actually you can hear all about it on Animal Planet. The, there's this couple 
that started this farm in 1980, and it was about rescue animals. It started as rescue farm animals, and then it got to more wildlife animals, and then eventually they started acquiring exotic animals. So if you go to Animal Planet and look for Yankee Jungle, in the middle of Maine up here, there is this couple that couldn't care more about animals. I mean, their their approach, they don't have a lot of money. They've devoted their whole lives to these animals, and they they might not have the biggest cages for the animals to move around, but these are animals, tigers, lions, llama, uh, llama alpacas, monkeys, all kinds of exotic animals that probably wouldn't have survived had these people not made their world available to take care of them. And they take care of these animals with such love. And so you can see lions and tigers and bears, oh no, up here in the middle of Maine. It's amazing. So that was a big surprise that I just learned about. Yeah, and and you know the um, the producer of that show? I do. A good friend of mine moved here from L.A. recently, and he works for Lone. He just started as the head of production for Lone Wolf Media and turned me on to this. They've also, this, this is a small company here in Maine. And they're the ones that br- bring us Mercy Street, which is the new PBS hit uh, that fo- that's follows right after. No. Really? I've been watching that. That's pretty incredible. I know. I noticed that you had been, you know, commenting and stuff about Mercy Street. I didn't realize there was a connection. Well, yeah, I've just been paying attention now that my friend Eric is there. So... I might be finding myself drifting back into the film world a little bit after I've had this little stint with the cooking. <laughs> and we'll get you roped back into the uh, Green Diva world, too. I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you for hosting me on this visit and uh, sitting with me for this uh, interview and playing on the uh, on the uh, air a little bit more together. I, I just want to encourage, I, I sound like a commercial for Maine, and I guess I am, but uh, I just want to express to everybody how beautiful it is up here and how many people really, really care about the the land and the ocean and the environment up here because they want to keep it beautiful for you guys to come up and visit. So come on up. Even in the winter, it has been a winter wonderland. Very magical. Uh, okay. Well, listen, everybody. Um, thank you for a great show. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, have a great green week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Green Divas radio show. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, Swell Radio, and Spreaker. Get social with the Green Divas on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Subscribe to the Green Divas YouTube channel to watch them in action. And for all the latest good green news, visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com.